Good morning. Happy to, uh, to be able to give Tim a little bit of a break, although I can't, I don't think he would actually characterize this past week as vacation. But uh, I'm sure we'll hear uh, a little more about that over the coming weeks. I want to go to uh, another scripture reading to start with. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. You don't have to turn to it. You'll remember it. It's the, there's an appointed time for everything. A time for every event under heaven. I'm not going to read through all those events right now, but time. (laughs) Do you ever feel like a prisoner of time? Do you find yourself needing to find a rhythm as you go through your everyday life? I should have done a better job finding a rhythm uh, as I was cutting vegetables Friday night. Uh, Or maybe I was in such a rhythm that when I finished the zucchini, I just kept right going through my thumb. I don't know. But fortunately, uh, Dr. Crowley at Archbald, a couple of stitches later, I'm I'm all good. But... uh, right back into the rhythm of life, but without a thumb. You know, you never really appreciate being uh, an, a, a creature with opposable thumbs until you don't have one. You ever tried to button a shirt collar button without a thumb? It's, it's nearly impossible. As a musician, too, I'm used to thinking about rhythm, finding rhythm. You know, how many of you have taken music lessons? When you're taking music lessons, did your teacher make you play or practice with a metronome? You know, a metronome for finding rhythm, it's kind of like cheating. You know, it, it gives you the rhythm. It's, it's easy to, to find a rhythm with a metronome. In the band, we have a percussionist or drummer. They're responsible for uh, keeping us in rhythm. I'm convinced that most drummers have a metronome embedded somewhere, I don't know, implanted somewhere in their body, because they are incredible at being able to keep you in a particular rhythm. Once you have the rhythm in music, it's relatively easy to keep it, because most music sustains the same rhythm throughout. But our lives aren't, aren't really that way. Oh, there are lots of times we, we try to find rhythm. You have to find your rhythm, particularly when you have a change of some type in your life, a change of job, a change of work, change of location where you're living. June and I uh, had to find our rhythm as we moved here to Thomasville just, just 18 months ago. June's originally from a town even smaller than this, and so, so this lifestyle was not so unusual to to her, we were both coming from working at uh, Florida State to Thomas University. I'm, I'm not suggesting that we work any slower at Thomas University. It's a fewer people doing all the same tasks that happen in a large college. So we have to actually work harder and faster, but, but uh, we get it done. But the overall rhythm of our lives, June's and mine, has slowed down a little. The pace is a little different. And, and for the better. I, I'm old enough, some of you in the room are old enough to remember the actor Paul Lind. Do you remember what he said about the rat race? 
the rats are winning. Um, I'm not going to say it with that expression and voice, but those of you that saw him say that can probably remember that particular way if he said it. But let's, uh, let's look now at the passage in Romans chapter 8. We're going to read verses 19 through 25 together. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. The sermon series is entitled, Under Construction. What's the point of construction? Maybe you can see from the uh, plans behind you, you're, you're building something, right? Either a building, maybe a road, maybe a house. What's our end product? Well, our end product, according to this passage, is 23, adoption as sons and daughters, the redemption of our bodies. Regarding how we feel about our end product, Paul, Paul says three times in this passage, verse 19. Now, by the way, just so you know, I'm going to, I'm going to veer from the version that we typically use on the screen here because uh, that version is the ESV, English Standard Version, and I use the New American Standard Version. Similar, but just so you know, if if you're following an English Standard, because that's what Tim has been using, I'm going to be using a a slightly different version, but you probably won't notice much. But I've been using this Bible for 40 years, so it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a habit. Anyway, verse 19, the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. Verse 23, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. And verse 25, with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. You know, you're not supposed to pray for wisdom or patience, right? Why don't you pray for wisdom or patience? Because God's going to bring the circumstances, allow the circumstances to come into your life to cause you to learn wisdom and patience. Um, Waiting. You experience waiting. How good are you at waiting? Waiting in traffic? Smiling all the time, thinking pleasant thoughts about the other drivers. Waiting in the checkout line? Smiling all the time, thinking pleasant thoughts about the person who fails to get their checkbook out, you know, until after everything's checked out. Waiting at the doctors, pleasantly, I was, (laughs) smiling the whole time. 
In spite of how difficult waiting can seem sometimes, we have to recognize that waiting is a lot easier when you know what you're waiting for. Dessert. A job offer. Finding out whether or not you're going to have a child. Even, even pregnancy. You, you pretty much know you're only going to be waiting nine months. You know, a maximum. And that's if you know really early. Like in verse 3. What about life in general? What are we waiting for? What are, what are we doing here? Verse 23. Sorry, I led you astray. Our adoption as sons. The redemption of our body. What does that look like? What will eternal life be like? Of course, (laughs) we say that we believe that the life after will be better than this, but how do you find rhythm thinking about when when you don't really know what you're waiting for. Paul gives us a couple of hints. Let's look again at verse 24. For in hope we've been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one hope for what he sees? As I was reading earlier in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, there's a time for everything. A time to give birth, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot what is planted, a time to kill, to heal, to tear down, to build up, to weep, to laugh, to mourn, to dance, to throw stones, to gather stones, to embrace, to shun embracing, to search, to give up as lost, to keep to throw away, to tear apart, to sew together, to be silent, to speak, to love, to hate, a time for war, a time for peace. Those are all things that you can see or at least visualize or have seen others experience, all of those things. But isn't Paul telling us not to hope in what we see, but hope that is seen is not hope. Hope that is seen is not hope. That's not hoping, that's just waiting. <laughs> if you're hoping for something that you see, you're, just, you're really just waiting. How do you hope for what you don't see? Paul's second hint at finding rhythm. Look at verse 25. But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we eagerly wait for it. If we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it. Some of your translations, the ESV uses patience there instead of perseverance. Waiting patiently for it. So the first hint, stop hoping 
in what you see. The second hint, start hoping in what you don't see. How do you hope for what you don't see? How can you find rhythm when you don't know the pattern or the end result? For the first way, we're going to back up into week one of the series. Let's look at verses 5 and 6 in Romans chapter 8. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life. Setting your mind, your mindset. I could have spent the entire sermon on the particular Greek word that is translated there, mindset, set your mind, because I, I, I love that word, it, and, and undoubtedly it's because it, it's a word that the most times it's used in the New Testament is in Paul's, the second chapter of Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, second, second Philippians, uh, Philippians 2. Have this attitude, this mindset in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. We don't have time to, to dig into in, in this sermon, but hopefully you'll just trust me that it's not just about a mindset on humility. There's also obedience, patience, servant leadership, and, and much, much more. It's power-packed. So the first way Paul shows us in, uh, in Romans 8 to find rhythm is through our attitude, our mindset, back from verses 5 and 6. The second way actually helps us with the how of setting our minds. This one's in verse 18. Now, I've already forgiven Tim for stealing verse 18 last week with his passage from the previous paragraph. It, most, most translations, verse 18 is actually the beginning of the paragraph 18 through 25. But, but I get it. I, I understand why he did that because he was talking about pain. And verse 18 begins, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time... So it fits. I get it. In reality, verse 18 is... A transition between that preceding paragraph and this paragraph. You see it if you read the whole verse. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed. Imagine that. The glory that is to be revealed. Now that's hoping 
in something that you don't see. The glory that is to be revealed. Of course you don't see it. It hasn't been revealed yet. So how can we do that? How can we hope in something so completely beyond our realm and sphere of understanding? In the year 2000, the state of Florida gave responsibility to Florida State University for managing the historic estate of John and Mabel Ringling. The reason June and I ended up in Sarasota in the first place is because at the time I was working in the Division of Finance and Administration at Florida State, and I was assigned to handle finance and administration for the Ringling estate in Sarasota, Florida. Yes, John was one of the five brothers, the Ringling brothers, the ones that started the circus, later merged with Barnum and Bailey Circus. John's actually the one of the five brothers who first had property in Sarasota and ultimately caused Sarasota to become the winter home of the Ringling Brothers Circus. You know, if you're the, the, the brothers were originally, they started their circus literally dragging wagons of tricks around to show the surrounding area, but they were in Baraboo, Wisconsin. Any of you, any of you ever been to Baraboo, Wisconsin? I, I have not, unfortunately. I would love to have gone back to see it. But So if you're traveling the world collecting performers as circus acts, as John and Mabel, John and, and a couple of other brothers did, travel the world looking for circus acts, and you're bringing them back, they and their family, to live, because usually the family performed together, to, to live in America, and you give them a choice of living in Baraboo, Wisconsin, or Sarasota, Florida. So now you see why the predominant area for the Ringling Brothers Circus became Sarasota, Florida, uh, because most, in fact... Many, many, many of those circus families uh, still, their, their descendants still live in Sarasota. I had the opportunity to meet a lot of them, a number of them, uh, great people. In the early 1920s, John built a small 35,000 square foot house on Sarasota Bay for Mabel. He allowed Mabel to build it. Actually, he gave her a small budget, which she tripled, but... But uh, nonetheless, a uh, small house on uh, Sarasota Bay that was known, it was known though, it was called even then the House of John, which in the uh, Venetian dialect of, it, of Italian is Cadizan, House of John, Cadizan. Have any of you ever been to the Cadizan or the Ringling Museum in Sarasota? It's beautiful. If you haven't been in the last 10 years, I encourage you to go because John at his death willed the estate to the people of the state of Florida they had also, by the way, built a gorgeous art museum to house their growing, burgeoning art collection, John's and Mabel's, in the, in the early 1920s. But since FSU took over management in 2000, the state had it from the mid-40s to 2000, the state of Florida, and it was just a tiny little line item. So unfortunately, it got overlooked, and, and not a lot was done. There was nobody raising money from donors to help with it. But since 2000, uh, the state, through Florida State and donors and matching funds, has put over $100 million in capital improvements into the Ringling Estate. So if you have not been there in the last 10 or 15 years, even in the last five years, you have not seen uh, the Ringling Estate. 
But the last of which, of those capital improvements, was an extension to the art museum. John and Mabel had a, a, a relatively small collection of Asian art as well, and the Ringling has had other people donate Asian art over the years too. it. One donor in particular not only donated an art collection of Asian art to the museum, but, but gave additional money to build a new wing to the museum for Asian art. The two, the two prior wings that had been built on the museum were similar in style to the museum. So they knew they needed an architect of international repute to, to work with this Asian center. Hired uh, Rodolfo Machado of Machado and Silvetti out of Boston. And uh, he, was, he was hired to work with the donor's ideas of creating a jewel box for Asian art. As you can imagine, this edition was a little controversial. <laughs> the museum is on the National Historic Register. So any additions obviously have to be approved. But frankly, the approval of the addition related to it being attached to a building on the National Historic Register was easier than gaining the approval of many of the board members and community members and other donors to the Ringling who loved the traditional architecture of the original. As a part of the planning process, a large group was formed of representatives from Florida State and the museum and the architect and the engineer and the contractor. I had the privilege of, of serving on that large committee. When it came time to hear the architect's ideas about the design, he flew in from, from Boston. Rodolfo flew in from Boston, and he, he wanted to, to meet us personally and to share uh, his vision for the museum. Upon hearing Rodolfo share his vision for the museum, it became clear to us that we were going to need to ask Rodolfo to come back to Sarasota on multiple occasions as events were planned with the board, with donors, to help him explain in the same way so that they could get to know the architect, so they could catch his vision of what he wanted to create. They could hear it from him directly. It worked. Uh, last spring, the Asian Center opened. Uh, it's absolutely gorgeous, completely different from anything else on the estate, but beautiful in its own right. And uh, it's won awards from architecture societies. So it's beautiful. In case you missed my tie to our passage today, <laughs> let's look again at a couple of verses. We're going to start with 18. We're going to do the first and the last, 18 being the one I stole from last week. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory of that is to be revealed to us. But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we eagerly wait for it. How do you hope for what you don't see? 
You get to know the architect. Catch his vision. Find your rhythm. Set your mind on the glory to be revealed. Catch the vision from the architect of the universe itself. How do you do that? Get to know him. Establish a personal relationship. Find your rhythm.